Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. I swear that this podcast is not going to become just me talking about Elon Musk's Twitter, but jeez, uh, Elon keeps doing stuff that uh, lead people to ask me to come and explain what's going on. Uh, and so we have another episode today that is me on someone else's podcast talking about Elon Musk's Twitter. Uh, if you are sick of this particular subject, and I completely respect you, if you are, uh, feel free to skip this episode. Uh, the podcast that you are about to hear is part of the Daily Beast's The New Abnormal podcast hosted by Andy Levy. Uh, and this is where we are discussing the last few days of what Elon Musk has been doing with Twitter. Uh, given the speed at which things are changing, it's quite possible but that by the time you listen to this, uh, everything we discuss will be completely obsolete. But uh, it may still be an interesting snapshot in time regarding Twitter and what is happening there. Either way, Andy is great, and the new abnormal is really worth listening to if you don't already. Uh, this will also be our last podcast before the holidays. Uh, and we have some great non-Twitter-related discussions lined up for the new year, so stay tuned for that. And anyway, enjoy this uh, fairly short discussion uh, in which Andy and I do our best to figure out what is actually going on with Elon Musk's Twitter. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. The past couple of weeks have been, I'm going to understate it a bit, absolutely fucking insane over at Twitter. And joining me now to make as much sense about it as is possible is Mike Masnick, founder and editor of the Invaluable Tech Dirt blog at techdirt.com and CEO of the Copia Institute. Mike, thanks so much for being here. Sure. I'm happy to be here. I do not know that I can make sense of what has happened in the last <laughs> few days. Well, that's the thing. I don't even know where to start. I am very glad I didn't write this interview way in advance because every day brings us another crazy Elon Musk Twitter story and sometimes even more than one, it feels like. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I, it's, you know, the, the, the pace of this is is crazy. You know, I, I think I think lots of people expected lots of crazy stuff to happen, but I think most people expected at some point he would recognize that maybe it was time to take a step back and pause and evaluate things rather than just going on whims. And that, that doesn't seem to be happening. So, yeah. So as of this taping, which is Monday afternoon, we have poll results on Sunday night. Musk decided to put his continuation as Twitter CEO up to a vote, and he chose the notoriously scientific method of a Twitter poll, which is something he's been doing a lot of. And the poll question read, should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of the poll. The poll ended early Monday morning, and by a, like a 15-point margin, the vote was, uh, yes, you should step down. As of this taping, he has not tweeted in 15 hours, which has got to be a record for him, I think. So I'm not really sure where we go with this, but I'm assuming he is now going to step down. I would assume so. I mean, he had some other tweets sort of suggesting that 
there was nobody who could take the job. So I, I don't know what that means, but I assume for all his many, many faults, he has tended to abide by the results of these stupid, unscientific, <laughs> problematic polls. And therefore, I would assume that he is planning to step down as CEO of Twitter. Yeah, it's wild. And I go back and forth between thinking, well, he wants to step down and he, he put this poll up hoping he would lose. And then at the same time, just going by his personality, thinking this guy doesn't want to lose this poll, this will be crushing to him. So I, I don't know which way to break on this. I don't know either. And there are certain things about his mind that are impenetrable. <laughs> yes. So, so I could see both of those things being true or, or some combination. People are complicated beings, you know, I really don't know. Yeah. All right. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, listeners out there, you'll have an answer. But as of the time of this taping, we just don't know. So let's get into all the other stuff that he's done over the past week or so. Let's start with, there was a big one that happened last Thursday night. He banned an account known as ElonJet that sort of tracked his private plane using publicly available data. He banned it and then he suspended journalists who reported on the banning, people like Drew Harwell from the Washington Post, Ryan Mack from the New York Times, Donnie Sullivan from CNN, Matt Binder from Mashable, Aaron Rupart. It was insane. He accused all of them of doxing him and basically, I think he used the phrase, uh, providing assassination coordinates. None of that is is true. But he banned them all. And then he did a poll asking if he should bring them back. And the poll vote was yes. So he brought them back. How do you run any kind of company this way? Well, we're seeing it. I think it's true. You know, I, I think I think we're learning how you run a, a, a company. <laughs> not well, this way. I guess the and, answer is. And, and the answer is not well. You, you left out. The, the, there were two versions of the poll about whether or not he should bring them back because there was one right. that had, had <laughs> multiple choices. And it felt like he didn't really like where that one was going. And okay. so and said too many choices. And then so he reset the poll with just two choices and still lost that poll. You know, it felt like he wanted to suspend them longer. And then he, he brought them back. But he, he actually also did not really bring them all back. Because as I understand it, all of those reporters received notifications saying, you have this tweet, which mentions Elon Jet that violates our policies, you need to remove it. So I believe some of them have and others have chosen not to remove it and therefore are still suspended technically. Yeah. And I know that the Elon stands, as we like to call them online, love to point out, well, that's just standard policy. If you get suspended over a tweet, you have to delete the tweet in order to come back. And they don't seem to care that the tweets in question were not supporting Hitler. They were journalists doing their job. Well, you know, also kind of the exact same situation that the New York Post was in in October of 2020, right? which was, you know, they got suspended. That was a big scandal, still is a big scandal for lots of people, especially, you know, Elon's biggest fans seem to think that was the scandal of the century. And in that case, also, Twitter actually changed their policy the next day, but they did not reinstate the New York Post account for a couple of weeks because of that same thing. They said they have to delete that tweet. So again, we can disagree with that policy. I think there are reasons that you could say that policy is kind of silly, but that was the policy. So it's, it is kind of funny that, you know, the people who think that that was like a treasonous example of problematic behavior by Twitter are suddenly... <laughs> Super happy with this, you know, oh, that's standard policy. Oh, I mean, right. we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of that with almost everything that Elon is doing. People are saying, well, you know, his fans are like, well, that's standard policy. It's like, well, when that was standard policy, when the old regime did it, you talked about it like it was, you know, something that they should be hung up for. So the whole thing is just bizarre. 
Yeah, it's again, it's insane. There's another reporter, Lynette Lopez from Insider, who did not do what Musk suspended the other journalists for doing. She, I, as far as I can tell, didn't comment at all on the whole Elon's plane thing or any of that. She's reported critically on him for a, a while now. He has suspended her and she is still suspended. And I feel like that's not getting enough attention. Yeah. The thing that happened right before she was suspended was he was going on his, you know, doxing is obviously unacceptable and putting people's lives at risk is unacceptable. And she started to discuss all of the different ways that he had gone after her over the previous five years for her reporting and really targeted her in particular and had people like going through her Facebook and picking out information and sending people after her and all sorts of pretty terrible behavior that he had brought upon her. And so I don't know how he wants to twist that into into claiming that, you know, that was some sort of rules violation. But as far as I know, that there hasn't been a clear explanation for why she was suspended. And, and you're right, it hasn't gotten nearly as much coverage as the others. Like I said, I find it troubling and it feels like we're just sort of letting that one go. Not we, you and you and me. I think we're doing a fantastic job of talking about it, but media in general. But this gets to sort of another thing. And you wrote a really good piece of, about this, which I think is why I originally wanted to have you on the show. But as, as we said, that was so many things ago, I can't even remember. But I get really squirrely when people start talking about things like hauling Musk before Congress for banning reporters. I'm sort of a recovering libertarian, but I still have that strain in me. As far as I can tell, there's absolutely no need for the government to be involved in this kind of thing, is there? It depends on which kind of thing you're talking about. But, but <laughs> the banning of the reporters. We'll get to the other thing in a minute. We're not even there yet. <laughs> there are things that he has done that, that almost certainly violate various laws in various countries yes. around the world. But the banning of reporters, no. I, I think that that is very clearly, he is allowed to do it. It may be stupid. It may be ridiculous. Yep. It may be hypocritical. It may be worth calling him out for it, as we are doing right now. But I don't see any role. And in fact, I, I find it somewhat dangerous for the government to then suggest that they can come in and say, you can't ban this person. I mean, we had this discussion before, except lots of people <laughs> flip sides, it seems, I know. you know, when it came to like Donald Trump being banned. And again, in that case, you could argue that that was a mistake or that was problematic. But again, it was the company's choice. And the government had no role in that and shouldn't have any role in that. As far as I'm concerned, it is editorial discretion in, in the same way that you get to choose who to put on your podcast, uh, you know, or right. who to host articles by, uh, or Fox News gets to choose who they put on air. That's editorial discretion. And if we had Congress calling, you know, any any publishers, any producers to appear before them to explain their determination on who they put on the air and who they don't, I think most people would recognize the free speech implications of that and the intimidation aspect of it, even if they're not actually threatening, you know, some, some other thing. This is not something that the government should necessarily involve themselves in, no matter how offensive we might think it is. Uh, for, for him to ban journalists. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out to Congressman Ted Lieu, who I don't always agree with, but he quickly kind of jumped in and said that 
Elon can do what he wants. And he basically said exactly what you said this and what I'm saying and, and what the correct opinion is here, which is that it's really stupid to ban these journalists. And, it you know, you could even say it's dangerous and a, a incredibly bad precedent. But there's no constitutional violation here. And I was happy to see at least one Democratic congressperson come out and say that. I should note, too, because I wrote something about that. And I, and I said that. And I also pointed out that the EU is threatening him as well. And I said, that's bad, too. And and then people yelled at me, you know, the, the First Amendment doesn't <laughs> exist in the EU, which is like, yeah, duh, I understand that. <laughs> but I still think it's bad for any government to be trying to interfere in editorial decisions. And so, yes, like the EU, they can do that, you know, under their laws. I think they do have human rights rules that they have agreed to, which they sort of treat as a little more flexible right? <laughs> right. Than, than we view things like the First Amendment in the U.S. But like, I just think as a pure value statement, no government should be interfering in editorial policy. And that's what this is. And I think that the EU is looking silly and they're making him appear like a victim, which I think is is not a very helpful stance either. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I hate that. But let's get to, so there's, there's another thing that Musk did and then undid, as far as we know, that may, as you alluded to earlier, may actually run him afoul of governments. And that is on Sunday, he decided that he was going to ban anyone on Twitter from linking to a bunch of other social media platforms, uh, places like Instagram, Facebook. And there was a huge uproar and people pointed out that this almost definitely violated EU policy and might even cause him some trouble with the FTC here at home. And he later in the day rescinded that policy and sort of apologized for it. And I feel like that's probably because some lawyers got in his ear, maybe. I don't know if it was lawyers got in his ear or just like enough people were kind of yelling at him about how stupid it was, including some of his friends. Yeah. Can we agree that it was either lawyers in his ear or cat turd? <laughs> I, I mean, these days, you know, I mean, his, his most trusted legal advisor might be cat turd. I know. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize for interrupting. No, no. It's, I mean, what else can you do in this scenario? <laughs> the whole thing was weird. And, and the thing is too, like even the rescinding of the policy was weird because he never quite came out and said he rescinded the policy. He sort of posted an apology and said like, policy changes will no longer happen without votes. But it wasn't even entirely clear that that was exactly the policy that he was talking about, except that the page that Twitter had put out explaining this new rule suddenly disappeared. Right. It's this sort of like back and forth arbitrary like not very clear rules. This is the kind of thing that, that happens when you have no idea what's going on and you're just like scrambling. There were a few different things that I think sort of contributed to this policy making decision, which was that you know, a, a lot of this is sort of like retconning explanations for things because he got really mad at the journalist for pointing to the Elon Jet story. And so he made up this rule that like the assassination coordinates rule, right. <laughs> you know, uh, and then like people were pointing out that some of the journalists he banned hadn't really pointed to that. So then he had to come up with sort of 
a second rule to sort of justify that. And so then it became the, oh, they're linking to Elon Jet on other social media, and therefore that has to be the problem. But that's that seems way too narrowly specific. So let's just expand it out and say right. no no other social media, because that makes sense, right? Like, why should we allow people to post to, to other social media? And I think part of it also was <laughs> he saw Jack Dorsey had just tweeted this thing about you know his vision of a future social media. And for the last few days, he had been posting about this thing called Noster. N-O-S-T-R, which is right. this incredibly early, incredibly buggy, very, very simple social media type protocol. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call it that. If there are 500 people using it right now, and, I, and I'll admit I've been using it, I've been playing around with it, and it's, you know, it's sort of a little toy, you know, I, I would be amazed if there were 500 people using it. Just, just to, to prove how small it is, as far as I can tell, everybody who comes on Noster and says hello gets a greeting back from Jack Dorsey himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I wrote, I wrote a, you know, hello, testing Noster. And four minutes later, Jack Dorsey said, hi, welcome. <laughs> you know, so it's a very, very small thing, but it got included in this ban. And so, you know, I think he just got to this point where he's like, I need to, I need to make a rule that covers the bands I've already done. And while I'm at it, like, let's stop this, you know, drain to competition and somebody just like scramble and put together right. a list. And they, you know, they left out parlor and gab and TikTok, you know, which was kind of a, a weird set of choices. And I don't yeah. know if that was on purpose or just like in the mad dash to come up with some sort of policy justification. It's this sort of weird, like we have to justify this decision that we're making and therefore we're going to sort of write a rule to to make that happen which is again the kind of thing that people were really mad about when it came to the Donald Trump suspension and the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story suspension which is that the company said oh we have something bad but you know what we what has been revealed though misleadingly in the various twitter files and and as i understand it as we're talking there's another twitter file being released oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> is basically like something bad is happening and we need to figure out, does it violate our rules? And if it doesn't violate our rules, do we need to change the rules? Now, that is a, a standard process by which trust and safety works. Right. Like that, that's, that's the process. Right. And, and when they did it before, they, they kind of did it in a fairly thoughtful manner. Like you could still disagree with the final decisions and say like they, may, they, they should have thought this through more or whatever. But he's doing the same thing, but in such a ham-fisted, silly, like, you know, totally, you know, spur of the moment, whim-based method that then he feels like he has to cover up. And then it just leads to these ridiculous, you know, obviously stupid policies that his fans have to justify even as he walks them back 12 hours later. We should talk about that because I forget who I tweeted it at yesterday, but that to me is just it is such a replay of what we saw with Donald Trump over the, you know, the four years of his presidency where he would say something and people would be like, that's insane. And his defenders would explain why it wasn't insane and say why it was right. a great idea. And then like four hours later or the next day, he would completely walk it back. Right. And this is the it's the exact same mindset here. Yeah. Yeah. And and even even to the point that his mother came out oh, and defended him, which was so <laughs> bizarre because like even her defense was so dumb because she's like, you know, if I'm paid to give a speech for for some company, you know, I don't name check their competitors. And it's like, yeah, because you're paid to give a speech right. for them. We're not being paid to give a speech for Twitter. It's just everything about this is so bizarre. And it's just like people are concocting these stories about just trying to come up with any way possible 
to defend it. And, you know, it's the same thing like David Sachs, who's one of his biggest defenders. I had found this tweet from, I think, last year at some point where he said, my content moderation policy is the First Amendment. And all these people cheer him on like, yeah, that's really deep. Right. And then now he's defending all of these. He's like, oh, you know. I see Musk's big content moderation decisions are like no swastika. Actually, what he said was like no swastikas on the Jewish flag, which yeah. is, I'm not even going to touch no, that. No. But he's like no swastikas and like, you know, no doxing. Like, why is everybody so mad? It's like, because that's not the policy <laughs> that he came up with. Right. Right. Like he didn't come up with thoughtful policies. And you were the, the one who said like my content moderation policy is the First Amendment. Neither of those things violate the First Amendment. So, you know, like get with the program, realize like, this is how content moderation works. This is how trust and safety works. This is how social media, like if you want to have a social media platform that isn't just a a garbage dump of nonsense and hate and anger and abuse and harassment and whatever, like you have some rules of the road and Twitter for all its faults. And it had many, many, many faults. (laughs) They actually had a team in place that was pretty thoughtful about it. Right. The fact is like, nobody's ever going to agree with every decision. I had so many differences with them. Like, I know some of the people or knew some of the people who were there and I used to communicate with them all the time and say like, this is stupid. Why are you doing this? Like, you know, think this through more, but they were trying, they were really sort of trying to understand these things and trying to be as thoughtful and trying to balance all of the different equities that were involved there. And, you know, that's not what's happening with with Elon. It's just pure whims and, and his own personal feelings, mostly based on like how he feels. And when he feels endangered, suddenly it's okay to change the policy. But when he endangers someone else, including maybe his former head of trust and safety, right. who has been nothing but kind to him, frankly, you know, he has no problem sending people after him and allowing other publications, which I'm not going to say who, to basically post where that guy lives and, you know, making him have to leave his house. And that's a big deal. If he's really about safety, why is he allowing his former employees to have to like run from their house and leave up the tweet that caused it. Yeah, I, I feel like we've we've kind of learned what it must have been like to have lived sort of like under a parliamentary rule and then suddenly the parliament is gone and a boy king is in charge. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just like you said, it's all it's whim based. I would almost feel sorry for the people that have to put out his policies, except they've sort of chosen that life. So I, I don't feel bad for them. But I guess I had two more questions, but one of them I've realized is insane. It was, uh, is there any way at all to predict where we might go from here? And I think the answer to that is just no. So instead, my exit question is going to be, have we officially burst the sort of the social bubble that we had where we thought the Silicon Valley boys were the best and the brightest? Because that was sort of our cultural, you know, stance for a lot of years. And we all sort of, or at least most of us bought into that and were like, these guys are going to save us. They're going to save the planet. They're heroes. And I think that bubble uh, might be just uh, a, a little puddle of water on the floor now. <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope so, but I, I doubt it, honestly. I mean, I think just, <laughs> you know, human psychology, we're going to just go back to, you know, some some other millionaire or billionaire or boy genius or whatever is going to come along with some different solution and people are going to get all excited about it and they're going to think that, oh, this is, you know, uh, you know, that last guy, he, he was an idiot and yeah, okay, he was a fake, but this next guy, you know, it, it just happens. You know, I, I am hopeful that at least some people will begin to recognize this and, and start to experiment with things like Mastodon and, and, and other kinds of protocols that aren't 
fully owned by you know one person who might go crazy. But I don't know. This is unprecedented in lots of ways. <laughs> it really is. Mike, thanks so much for being here. I highly advise people to go check out techdirt.com. It's just a fantastic blog. And you can find Mike on Twitter and also on Mastodon, which he is a huge champion of. Mike, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Someone will get